welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. And as always, every week, we are going on a journey together. This is a journey for you and I to be able to explore this journey that you're on with you and your daughter. It's such an important journey. And every piece of that journey is going to be a little bit different from that first moment that you get to hold your daughter to that moment when they graduate from high school and get ready for college to when they become an adult. Every time in life is a little bit different. So it's really important for us to be able to talk about that, to explore those different points in life and to explore the relationship that we have because because of the fact that every time in life is different, it's important to have not only conversations with other dads, but it's important to have conversations with our own kids. And today I'm really excited about that because today I'm bringing on a father and a daughter. And you probably remember some other examples of this. And I love it when I have an opportunity to be able to talk to dads and daughters together because the experiences that they have together really are unique. And it's a lot of fun to be able to learn from those experiences and learn from both individuals. So today I'm really excited to have on both Mark Tim and Mary Tim. And Mark is a past guest of not this show, but a past podcast that I did called The Dad Spotlight. And I, it's been a number of years since then. So things have changed. And I first learned about his daughter in that podcast. So I'm really excited to talk to both of them. Mark, Mary, thanks so much for being here today. Chris, thanks for having us. I am really excited to talk to both of you. And I think first and foremost, one of the things that I love to do is talk a little bit and turn things back in time a little bit. Because Mark, you and I have talked in the past about some things, but I want to have you turn the clock way back because Mary is an adult now. She's out of college, looking at graduate school. We'll talk about the things that Mary's been doing, but I want to go all the way back to that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Well, first off, Chris, I can tell you right now, every single hair on my body is standing on end because you took me back to that moment. And Mary is the oldest daughter. So there are other daughters in the family and she's the oldest daughter. And so I hope the dads listening out there can relate to the fact that I was clueless. I was so young. There's no manual that says, this is how you do it. This is how you raise kids. This is how you parent them. And let alone, I instinctively knew that there was something different about dads and daughters. And she has an older brother. The oldest boy is her older brother, Marcus. And it just was a little more natural for me and him. And so when she came along, there was something different and something special. And I can tell you, that you transporting me back to there brings back so many memories of where she could look at me in a certain way and melt me like a stick of butter. And she could walk up to me and stick her hand in mine and I would want to buy her the world. And although those things aren't necessarily the best things to do, they definitely, dads and daughters have this unbelievable synergistic relationship that is very hard to put in words, but I can thank you for taking me and transporting me back as I'm sitting with my college graduate, my 
20 something daughter here, but I still can close my eyes and remember those first moments and they're priceless, precious. And I'm thankful to have that opportunity to just remember them right now with you, Chris. Now, dads and daughters tend to always have those memorable experiences, those things that not only that mark that you remember, but there's memories that our kids remember too. And I want to have Mary answer this one first, and then I'll have you answer it, Mark. For both of you, or I should say for Mary, what has been the most memorable experience that you've been able to share thus far with your dad? Oh my goodness. So my dad had a tradition growing up and he did it with me as well as my sisters where he would take us on a daddy-daughter date. And that was something that we did, you know, once every few months or every once in a while. When you're six, it's kind of hard to tell time. But for me, it was like Christmas and a birthday wrapped all in one. And they were always just really special. But there is one in particular that stands out to me. I want to say I was relatively six or seven years old. And at this point, I was kind of old enough to be able to pick out my own outfit and kind of have some say in how I wanted the night to go. And there was always a tradition. We would always get food and possibly go see a movie or go do something fun. I always love the movies. So that's usually my choice. And if I begged my heart out enough, sometimes we would also maybe stop and pick out a toy that had been on my list forever. And I remember this one specifically, I think just because the time that we had spent together, you know, being the daughter of a CEO, or just a businessman in general, he worked a lot. And so any time that I could get this undevoted time with him was important. And we were sitting in an Applebee's. We were about to go see a movie. I believe it was a dog movie because those were always my favorite. And I was holding a new Barbie and I was telling him just about all the things that were happening at school, the things I was looking forward to with my friends. And I just remember looking over and him just giving me his full and undivided attention, whether or not Barbies and little girl sleepovers were probably what he was the most interested in. As a grown man, I don't know. But in that moment, it felt like there was nothing else in the world that had his attention other than my story. And I feel like that's the most memorable to me because it set the precedent for the way I interacted with men for the rest of my life. And Mark, what about you? So I got two memories that jumped to mind and Mary has no idea what I'm getting ready to say. And as a guy, you love your daughters and you want them to be feminine you want them to be princesses, but you also want them to be somewhat into things that you're into. And I love to fish and our family went to Minnesota every year fishing. And it was such like this unbelievable joy that my daughter wanted to sit on my lap and run the boat and fish with me. And she wanted not only to catch the fish, but her job was to, was to release the fish after we caught them if they were too small. And, oh, no. <laughs> and, and she started this little tradition where she felt so compassionate towards the fish that she would give each one of them a little kiss before <laughs> she released them. And I get teary-eyed just with joy thinking about this, this little girl that looked at her father with such admiration who loved to fish, but she had to add this very girlish kind of amazement to the whole process and make sure that the little fishy was really well loved <laughs> before it went into the water again. And it, it just showed me that boys and girls are so different because her brother 
On the other hand, we'd catch a fish that was too small and fling it up in the air and see how many times it could flip and spin before it hit the water. And it's just so amazing how differently God has hardwired little girls and little boys. And then I can fast forward and tell you that one of the moments that sticks out in my mind so much is more recently when Mary is at the age where, you know, she's had different other boys in her life. And I call them friends that are boys, not boyfriends. Boyfriends is an earned name. Until they earn that name through the respect of the father, they're just a friend that's a boy. And there happens to be a friend that's a boy that's that's now a boyfriend. And just seeing my daughter mature to a young lady and share with me the joy that she has. And, and this happened so recently. And she asked me, Dad, have you ever had a time in your life where there were 2,000 people around you, but you felt as though you were the only two people on the planet? And Chris, I'm going to tell you that my daughter doesn't know this, but when I received that message, I was crying like a baby. Because isn't that all we want for our little girls? To experience that, to have that feeling in their life. And so to, to have her mature to the point of being able to express that and allow me to be part of that, that is unforgettable for me. Now, I am told over and over again that sometimes with dads of daughters, that there is some fear when having your daughter initially, when starting to raise your daughter. You said you had a older son, so a little bit different experience, and you ended up having six kids in all, Mark. What would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters in today's society? My greatest fear is that they would somehow in their life miss the fact that they are so incredibly loved by a man that would fight for them, that would lay down their life for them. And somehow they would go looking for that in somebody else before their time. I'm not silly, Chris. I absolutely recognize that someday I'm going to pass that baton on to another man. But if you don't get that right as a dad, if your little girls don't know that they are so loved every day, unconditionally, at their most beautiful princess stage or their ugliest, let's face it, teenage years are tough. And so, but if you if you pass that test as a dad and they know that they are loved unconditionally and that there's nothing they can do that will break that love or tarnish that, then they won't go looking for acceptance or approval from some other guy because they know they have it. They'll go looking for their person that's going to continue that love that they grew up with and that they felt. And so my fear is, is that somehow I would screw that up, that I would get it wrong and that they would not feel the love I had for them or that they would not understand, you know, maybe the, the journey that we were on together and that at some point in their life, they would go get it from somewhere else. Because what I believe that I have learned is that if you pass that test, then you get to be their dad for the rest of your life. If you fail that test, they will go find some other guy to show them what they think is love and take their hand in a completely different direction. And I didn't want anybody to show them how to be loved, how to be a, a colleague, a coworker, a friend, but me as their dad, because nobody loves them more than I do. And I look forward to passing that baton 
onto someone else that loves them just as much. Now, the relationship between a father and a daughter is definitely a unique one. And when you have those opportunities to be able to engage with your kids, there are definite opportunities to be able to build lasting relationships and lasting memories. We talked about the memorable experiences. But a lot of times with the relationships that you have with your kids, there's also things that you do together that you share just amongst each other that are really favorite things. Mary, what is the favorite thing that you love to be able to do with your dad? Yeah, so I'm not even sure that there's a word for it, but I'm going to just call it like dream sessions. And they are always impromptu. I never know when they're going to happen. Some nights they were on the one night that I came home from school just to get a couple of things before I headed back. And somehow we ended up in a three-hour conversation in the kitchen or just a bad night where I need a chat. And, you know, we end up spending an hour in my room or whatever. But I think I like to call them dream sessions just because they range from anything to talking about the future and what I wanted to be when I grew up to hard relationships or friendships or experiences that I was going through. And they were just kind of like these life chats. And while they were never planned and some were five minutes and some were five hours, I think that they were probably some of the most impactful moments with my dad and the most impactful to me as a person. Hey, Chris, I got to jump in here and say something to all the dads listening to that out there. And I can only say this because I definitely got it wrong sometimes, and but I, I figured out to get it right. And that is those dream sessions, they were never, ever scheduled. And they were always when I had a really early morning meeting the next day. <laughs> and what I can tell you is, is that if you as a father ever postpone one of those sessions to the next day, you will get nothing. It will not happen. You will not pick up where you left off. And so therefore they are so important and they are so precious and they are so rare and they are so impactful for you and your daughter that when they happen, you have to have the wisdom and maturity to lean into it and recognize you are getting no sleep tonight. <laughs> Some of these sessions went till three or four o'clock in the morning when I had to be up at 6.30 the next day. I got no sleep. But hearing her say those were our thing, that was the thing, <laughs> like, so what that I got no sleep? So what that I was tired the next day? Because what really mattered was that five hours or that four hours or that hour and so whatever you do, don't miss those opportunities. Don't miss it when they happen. You'll never schedule it. You can never postpone it and you can never recreate it. And I think it kind of just created this atmosphere of I always knew if there was something weighing heavy on my heart that I just felt like nobody would understand or I couldn't really say it to anybody. I knew I could just say, hey, dad, do you have a minute to talk? And I could, like, I could just let out whatever was confusing me, whatever I couldn't figure out, an opportunity that I was scared to take the leap on or a conversation I was afraid to have, I could hash that out with him. And I knew I could trust him and he would guide me in the right direction, whether that was he knew I already knew the answer and I just needed a little push or he could simply share with me some of his 50 years of wisdom. And I don't think that was always our thing. Like he said, like he had to learn to take it when it came because I don't think we started 
started having those talks until I was in college. I don't think it was until he kind of rarely saw me that we would do those and we would both really value them. But it's a thing that I hope we never stop. I hope when I'm 40 years old and have kids of my own that I can still say, hey, dad, do you have a minute to chat? I love that. And I completely agree with both of you that not planning and just being present is so important. And now, Mary, I know your dad enough to know how much of an entrepreneur he's been, uh, at least over the last 10 plus years that I've known him. And from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like you've gotten some of that as well. But as your dad said, he didn't always get it right. And but at the same time, from everything that you're saying, it sounds like he gave you some building blocks, some things that have really helped you to become the woman that you are today. As you think back to your life, your time with your dad, what have been some of those most impactful things outside of the dream sessions, those impactful things that he did to be able to help you become the person that you are today? Oh, there's several, but I'll start with simply a few that I think were just right there at the top that I I just don't know who I'd be today without them. One of the best parts of having an entrepreneur for a parent that I think every kid could benefit from, we have such a society of perfection today. You can turn on your phone and if you're looking for it, you can find anybody that you think is doing what you want to do better than you are. And being born in 2000, like I grew up right in the midst of that. And one of the best things my dad did for me being an entrepreneur is he never let me be afraid to fail. I watched him fail a hundred times trying different things that he wanted to do. And he always got back up and did it again. And he instilled that in me from a very young age. And so I was not afraid to start my own little business and watch it crash and burn, whether that was a a lemonade stand that only had two visitors or a legitimate business or a class that I was afraid to take. He never let me be afraid to fail. And I think a lot of times I've heard heartbreaking stories from friends who their dad is the last person they want to admit to that they failed. But my dad was the first person I wanted to call to say, hey, I messed up. This didn't work out. What should I do next? How do I get up from here? And that has turned me into a person who's always going, who's always going to get back up. And it's worked well for me in every area of my life as a student, as a person. And I think another thing that he taught me is to understand that my time is valuable. Entrepreneurs don't have a lot of time. And so he taught me from a young age, and I know this might be a little controversial for some people, but to put my time where it made me happy and where it was valuable. A lot of times if I came to him, now he by no means raised a quitter, but If I came to him and I said, I really don't feel like this is working for me. I feel like this has taken a lot of time and a lot of energy and it's making me sad and not happy. He was always the first person to say, then put your time somewhere else that's going to grow you more as a person and make you happy. And I'm so glad that he put that in me because instead of burning the midnight oil, doing 27 things that I thought would make other people happy because I was afraid to walk away from something, he made me understand that my time should only be where it's the most valued to me and to others. And that's in places where I can truly be my best. And Mark, you've got an amazing daughter there. And everything that she just said, you can tell that you gave her some pieces along the way that have really helped her to become who she is today. Can you think back to those early days with Mary and what you did to be able to provide those building blocks so that she could walk on that path that she just explained? Yeah. The coolest thing about this whole time with you, Chris, is that I have absolutely no idea what she's going to (laughs) say. 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting here just listening to it in first person and, and not even a clue what she's going to say. And I'm, I'm in amazement at just her maturity and just her reflection of where we're at. And I appreciate everything that she said. And I will say, though, that if you're a dad out there and you are like, man, I want to get this right. I really want to get this right. And the thing I would say is this, the lessons that Mary is talking about, they're caught. They're not taught. You don't teach these things. You, you actually can't teach them. They're caught in what I call contagious proximity. And everything that Mary's talking about happened because she was in contagious proximity to me when I could teach her these things. Now, what did that mean? That meant that we had to get some special permission from her principal and her administrator to be able to get her out of school from time to time. But the lessons that she's talking about, the instances she's talking about, they happened in Uber cars and Marriott hotels and Delta flight. They happened in Hong Kong and they, they happened in California and they happened in Florida and they happened where I was at being an entrepreneur and where I was trying to provide for the family and provide for her. But in those moments, she was there. She got to see it. And what she saw, she asked about, she leaned into. It's very difficult to go on a trip for three days and come back and say, oh, this is what I did and have your kids really have any introspective questions. But when you're there, when they're there and they see you interact with people and they see people be good to you and bad to you and they see you in, in good moments and bad moments, they notice and they watch you and they're emulating and patterning and they're making decisions for their lives that you don't even know they're making until years later. And so I could be no more proud to hear that my daughter is not afraid to fail because all of my wisdom, all of the wisdom that I have, and I would say that goes with parenting, comes from me getting it wrong. Like you got to fail and, and learn from that failure. There's a saying that I have, and, and I know at some point Mary probably rolled her eyes at this, but now she gets it. And that is when she fails, my question to her is, what does this make possible? Like when she had the worst breakup with a friend that's a boy, it was like, okay, now what does this make possible? Or when she had a, a really big setback in her entrepreneurial business, what does this make possible? So if you're out there as a dad or a mom, you're out there as a parent, and when you're, one of your kids fails, instead of condoling them and hovering over them and trying to make the failure not seem like a failure, embrace it and say, now what's possible? Because of this failure, now what's possible? And I think that's really where she became the, I think, just amazing young lady that she is today because she saw so many possibilities out of so much failure. And by the way, Chris, that's life. Like, that's life. Like, as a parent, if you're listening to this, you don't have to get everything right. You just got to get the right things right. You can fail often. Just get the most important things right and everybody, including you, will be okay. And Mark, you talked about failure and that you failed. What was your biggest failure, do you believe, as you've raised your kids? No question about it. This is the easiest question you're going to ask me all day. I thought as a father that I'm supposed to be strong and I'm supposed to be invincible and I'm supposed to be this, you know, 
Hercules and and this amazing dad that is so big and badder than the world. And then one day I realized that life wasn't working out the way I thought it would. And my kids were seeing through the facade that I was putting up. And of all places, we ended up at my grandfather's house. And this is a man that I love more than life itself. And he's passed from this earth. He was a mentor. He was my grandfather. He was my best friend. And we're at his house. We're upstairs in his house and they've gone to bed. My grandma and grandpa have gone to bed and I'm with the kids. And I looked at them and I just said, I'm sorry. Like, I have really made some big mistakes and I'm not proud of them. And I've screwed some things up as their dad and I've impacted them and their lives. And I'm super sorry for all that I've done. And I'm, I'm, I promise to be the best version of myself I can be. And at that moment, I have never felt more vulnerable as a human being. I've never felt more weak as a man in the sense of men are supposed to be strong. But when I asked my children later in life, they said, we've never seen you stronger. And I just, to this day, Chris, I can't, it's so hard to wrap my head around it. But what I can say is, is that I had this terrible misconception that faking being strong was the way to show your kids that you're this powerful, awesome dad. But the truth is it takes so much more strength, courage, and confidence to be weak and vulnerable, to admit your mistakes, to be truly vulnerable in front of your kids and say, you are flawed. You make mistakes. You've screwed things up. Never have my children seen me stronger in their life than when I felt the weakest. And I can say that was the greatest mistake that I made in the early years of parenting them was pretending to have it all together, pretending to be Mr. Perfect, pretending that I knew all the answers. That was so wrong. And it was such a big mistake. My kids needed to see that I was flawed, that I lacked sometimes the courage to know what to do, and that I made mistakes. And when they started seeing that I could make mistakes, then they got permission to make mistakes too. And they got permission to fail. And not until I was willing to admit that I'd screwed it up, did I give them permission to screw things up and to learn from it and grow from it and build from it and become young adults who will be better versions of themselves than I was as their early dad. And Mary, as you think back to that story that your dad just shared, and he said, as you and your siblings got older, you reflected back to him that it it showed him as being strong. What was it about what he said that showed you his strength versus that vulnerability? Yeah, I think it was the vulnerability itself. It's not necessarily something specific that he said, but for all the parents out there, this doesn't just go for dads, for anybody out there that thinks that your children aren't perceptive, that they're not picking up on things. I promise you, you're wrong. Uh, they are. I had two social science majors and from everything I've learned about humans, it's that we perceive so much more than you can ever directly tell us. And when I was a little kid, I knew when my dad was struggling. Maybe I couldn't have put the right words to it, but I would always go to him and be like, hey, dad, what's up? Like you're acting different. And he would always be like, oh no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. But to me, then that created that message of when things are going wrong, I got to say like, oh, you know, everything's fine. Everything's good. 
And it was that moment when our dad looked at us and was like, it's not fine. It's not good. I don't know what I'm doing, especially because at this time in our life, we didn't have an entirely present mom. And so one of the things that he's yet to admit is that he was doing the dad thing mostly on his own at that point with three children at very interesting ages. And so to hear him say, I kind of have no idea what I'm doing. It gave us permission to live our young lives in which you often have no idea what you're doing. And there was such strength in him admitting that. It is easy. It is autopilot for my dad to pretend that everything is okay. I think it's autopilot for a lot of dads to pretend that they have everything together. And we we know psychologically that it takes strength to shift from a pattern. And that was our dad's pattern is to tell us everything was fine, to tape and glue it all together. So to see him shift that pattern and stop in his tracks and be like, it's not all okay. That took strength for him. And it gave us strength to then just kind of come together as a family and figure it all out together. And to this day, when I'm struggling, even when I have that urge to be like, it's fine, everything's fine. It's my brother, my sister, and my dad that I know I can come to and be like, it's not fine. And they are always my biggest supporters. Now, I know that we talked a little bit about that your dad was an entrepreneur. And I know, Mary, that you've had your own spurts of entrepreneurism throughout your life. You talked about that lemonade stand. And I remember a story from back that the first time that your dad and I talked about the business that you started with Sugar Gliders. So, Mark, tell me about that moment that your daughter came to you and had this idea of wanting to sell sugar gliders to strangers. Yeah, so it began with her wanting a sugar glider as a pet, in all fairness. And that's, by the way, sugar gliders are wonderful pets. But then she decided that she had, a, I think, a girl sugar glider and she wanted a boy. Well, biologically and genetically, we know what happens when you put a boy and a girl together. And so here we are. And we are have a boy and a girl together, and the boy and the girl end up having a baby sugar glider. And my daughter comes to me and says, hey, dad, I want to start a business. I'm like, what's that? And she's like, I want to start breeding sugar gliders. And I'm thinking, no way. Like these things, no way. Like I, th- I can't see this be even being a business, let alone, you know, the business that's going to be born out of her room. And she's like, well, actually, I, I actually have a, somebody that wants to buy my baby sugar glider. And I mean, the one that just was born, she's like, yeah. And I'm admittedly, I've said right at the beginning of this podcast, I got a lot of things wrong in life. Okay. And I got a few things right. And wrong was me saying, no, this is a bad idea. You should not do this. But right was me saying, well, let's sell this one. And next thing you know, a couple shows up at our front door with $600 in cash and hands my, at that time, I want to say 12-year-old. Yeah. My 12-year-old daughter is holding six $100 bills for a single sugar glider. And I looked at her and said... So when do they have the next one? <laughs> and, and the business was born and she has sold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sugar gliders. In fact, she's the Midwest's largest breeder of sugar gliders. And I actually, this is the full circle of being a dad. So I was there the moment she sold her first sugar glider. And it just happened to be the other night I was there when the couple that bought her very first sugar glider 
showed back up at our house because that sugar glider had passed away. They have a life expectancy of eight to 12 years, passed away, and they were there to buy two. Yeah. They were there to buy two sugar gliders. So I was there at the beginning and I was there to see it come full circle. And I'll say something that Mary wouldn't say, and that is that this business became such uh, an amazing project for a young lady that she was selected as the small animal production winner nationally for this business through the uh, national FFA. So, and got scholarships and got all kinds of accolades from this business. So when your daughter comes to you and says, I want to start a business, don't be as quick as me to dismiss it because sometimes they've got the passion and the desire to turn it into something truly remarkable. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, one other thing that I know, Mary, that you're doing is you're starting to write a book and you're writing a book about fatherhood. So I want to have you talk to me a little bit about what made you decide that you wanted to talk about fatherhood, but also a, but really dads and daughters and talk about that relationship even further. Yeah. I think my passion for fatherhood simply stems from we have a narrative in this society that basically paints mothers as absolutely essential and fathers as kind of optional. And after getting a degree in psychology and a degree in sociology, I know the statistics, the science, it doesn't lie. It's simply not true. We need fathers. They are integral to a child's life, especially to a daughter's life. They're integral in helping us develop things like self-esteem and self-worth, love languages, attachment styles, all important things for the way that you interact with the rest of the world for the rest of your life. And I think from the perspective of somebody like me, who it was kind of the other way around. My dad was essential. And for one reason or another, my mom was not necessarily a permanent figure. I think I learned to lean on my dad in ways that I think kids often don't. But it is invaluable to me because my dad is truly my first phone call. And I don't see that as being true for a lot of people. And when I looked out there to just see what was out there for fathers and daughters, uh, there are lots of books out there for like you're expecting a daughter, kind of like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, you know, you're about to hold your daughter for the first time. What are things you need to know? There's lots of like how to be a good dad books. There's almost nothing out there for I have a, a grown daughter who won't speak to me, what do I do? I have lots of female acquaintances and friends who have estranged relationships with their fathers. And I'll admit that at one time, it all seems great now, but at one time, my dad and I, I wouldn't necessarily say we got along. I mean, there are some years in my life where I would say we barely talked at all. And to come back from that, come full circle to where my dad is truly the number one guy in my life and has shown me that he plans to stay that guy until he walks me down an aisle and somebody else becomes the number one guy in my life. To come that full circle from there was a time that I wanted to graduate high school, run off, and my dad would become optional after that. To come full circle to where we are now, there needs to be literature conversations out there that talk about that because I know I'm not the only daughter who's at one time screamed, I hate you at my dad. And I know I won't be the last, but that fight doesn't have to be finite. And that message needs to be told. And Mark, how does that make you feel now that I know that you've had opportunities to work with men, with fathers, with parents in many different ways, but now having your daughter take up the mantle per se and be able to tell the story in a little bit different way. How does that make you feel in that regard? It's pretty awesome because she came to me and asked my permission. And I'm like, why are you asking my permission to write a book about fathers? And she says, because 
I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to be honest and candid. And that means I have to tell about all the things you screwed up and got wrong. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> all right. I, I, I understand now why you're asking, but I want you to just say it like it is. I don't want you to filter. I don't want you to hold anything back. And I can say in listening to Mary and listening to everything she said about this book, what I would say is this, the goal of every father should be that he has instilled so instinctively, so primally into their daughter that they are loved, that they are cherished, that they are fought for, that they are protected, that they are valued, that all of those feelings become hardwired that they don't have to use their frontal cortex to wonder if they're loved. It's back in the fight or flight part of their brain that they know there's no question that they're loved. There's no question they're valued. There's no question that they matter. And then they're not going to go looking for that in someone else. They're going to expect that someone else to love them in the way that their father did, or they're not walking them down the aisle. And so I see now that what's in Mary has been hardwired and it was through lots of trial and error and it was through getting things wrong, but getting the right things right. And I don't mean to bring up something super emotional to Mary, but the best example I can give is that uh, Mary had a car accident and it was an accident that absolutely could have been fatal. She was on a wet road. Somebody was in her lane. She swerved. She spun around. She smacked into a tree. Her car was upside down. Her face and her eyes were completely covered in blood from the accident. And she was upside down in her car. And yet somehow she was able to find her phone upside down with blood in her eyes and dial her father. And at the point of hanging up with her father, she passed out unconscious until I got to the scene of the accident and was banging on the window of her car. The only thing that the doctors, the only thing that anybody could ever explain is that it was hardwired. The ability to call her father was so hardwired in her that it required no frontal cortex memory. She knew she was in danger. And she knew the one person that she could call was her father. And she did it upside down without the ability to barely even see. I want that for every dad. I want every dad to hardwire into their daughter that they are so loved that in the most dangerous, most awful circumstance, there's one man that will be there always, whether it's a phone call or whether it's a, I need a minute. They don't have to question whether or not that man stands up for them. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that story. And I, I can tell just in the way you said that, I mean, how proud you are of her and really how proud, Mary, you are of your dad too. And you, I know that, like you said, it can sometimes take some time and sometimes you go in and out of those relationships. But it is important to be able to have that relationship in your life and to be able to foster it, to build it. And it's never too late to work toward finding it if you have lost it along the way. So I appreciate the fact, Mary, that you're planning to tell this story, that you're working to tell this story. And uh, we'll have to 
have you back on in the future once you have this book out there to talk further about what you learned and what you're sharing and and tell the story even further. I would absolutely love that. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper, typically just into Mark, you as a dad, but we're going to, I'm going to ask both of you some questions and I want to get some answers from both of you. So Mary, first and foremost, you get to go first. In one word, what is fatherhood? Consistency. And Mark? Love. Now, Mary, when was a time that you felt that your dad finally succeeded at being a father to a daughter? So this one actually doesn't have to do with me. I have a similar experience, but I am actually going to tell a story about my sister. My sister had her heart absolutely broken about a year ago. She was 18. She'd been in a relationship for a couple of years. And unfortunately, when the guy got to college, he decided that he did not want to go into it in a relationship. And he added the blue broke up with her. And that was really hard for her. And I know my dad had a lot on his plate at that time, but he simply just was there for my sister and sat with her, cried with her. And I think there was a time that I remember where I had had my heart broken and my dad kind of looked at me like, yeah, you're like 13, you know, this will pass. But my dad slowly learned along the way that part of being a dad is understanding that the experience that your daughter is going through is real to her. And while it might seem like just part of the broken road that leads her home to you because you're 40 or 50 and you know, you've been there and you've gone through that, for her, it is in the moment. It's everything. It's world altering. And watching my dad just have complete compassion for her and understand that her heart was in a million pieces and be there for her each day as she got a little bit stronger, a little bit more over it and see just the rock that he became for her just really impacted me. And it led him to being my first phone call when my heart was broken just six months later. And same thing, I think he had a meeting that night. And instead, he drove up to college and had dinner with me and laughed with me and cried with me. I know for a lot of girls, their first phone call when they get their heart broken or they're cheated on is their best friend. For me and my sister, it's our dad. And what about you, Mark? When was the time that you felt that you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? I have to tell you, Chris, that's a journey, not a destination. I don't think there's a specific point that I can point to and say, I've succeeded. I shared with you earlier that when my daughter asked me a question that I've dreamed of for all my daughters, which is, can you imagine a time where there's 2,000 people around and you feel like that you and this special person is it? Like there's dreams I have for my daughters, but I want to answer the question by saying, I hope I don't ever have a finality answer to that because I want to be on this journey with them for every breath that I have left to give in this life. And I hope that I get to be a part of it and just keep rewriting the next one over the last one that is even better. And you only get to do that if you're in proximity to their life and what they're doing. And I want to be that first phone call and I want to be that tough phone call. And I want to hear about these once in a lifetime experiences like she had the other night. Now, Mary, how would you and your siblings describe your dad? I would say driven, tenacious, compassionate, smart, funny, and our rock. Now, Mark, who inspires you to be a better dad? I've had some really cool men in my life. I had three grandfathers in my life. When I grew up, I thought I had the coolest parents on the planet because every first day after school, so we're talking about like at the end of school in May, 
that very first day after the end of school, they let me go spend a week with my great grandfather, then a week with my grandpa Wade, then a week with my grandpa Bob. And I thought, wow, I have the coolest parents on the planet. And then I had a bunch of kids and I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if they all went and spent a week with each of their grandparents every summer? And so, so I look back and I was very fortunate to have some pretty important men in my life that showed me what it's like to love. And these grandfathers showed me what it was like to be unconditionally loved by other men. And my father absolutely loved me and my mother absolutely loved me. So I would say those people really showed me what unconditional love looked like. And I just had to translate that into my own version of that for my kids. And so thankful to have had those examples. Now, both of you have shared a lot of things today, a lot of things that have not only made Mary who you are as a person, not only what has helped you, Mark, to be the best dad that you can be. As we finish up today, what's one piece of advice you'd want to give to every dad? And we'll start with Mary. Keep trying. Just keep trying. Like I said, you know, my word for a dad is consistency. I getting up every day, even if the night before didn't feel like the best day and doing it all again. I think we have this narrative and it's part of why I'm so passionate about the book I'm writing of dads are involved when you're reading fairy tale stories at night and, you know, doing all these fun dad and little girl things. But then we talk about those teenage years and the conversation is always, ooh, that's rough. Or that's where I think a lot of dads sometimes just check out. And that's exactly the moment that you need to check in. So my biggest advice for dads is no matter how loud the screaming fight, no matter how tough the situation, how shocked you are when your daughter brings something to you that there was no manual to handle, to just keep trying every single day, even if you haven't talked to your daughter in months or years, to pick up the phone and just keep trying. And Mark? Mine's really all about the fact that you don't have to get everything right as a dad. You just have to get the most important things right. And I think as fathers, we think we got to get everything right. And that's such a fallacy. It's just simply not true. If you get the most important things right, you get to be their dad for the rest of your life. So just give yourself a break. Be a little easy on yourself. Be vulnerable. Be human. Be who you are, which is a flawed human being that makes mistakes. But just make sure you get the most important things right. Make sure that she knows how absolutely loved she is, that there's a man on this earth that would fight any giant for her and that will never ever give up on her. And those are the right things, right? And the last thing I would say is, I don't care where you're at in your father journey. I don't care if you had a baby daughter last week or if your children are young adults. It is never too late to be their dad. You just simply have to decide that today is the day that I'm going to be the dad that she should have had from day one. And I'm going to be that dad consistently To use Mary's words, I'm going to be that dad and I'm going to be that dad every single day that she needs me to be that dad until she sees the consistency, until she sees the commitment that I have to be her father. So wherever you're at on the fathership journey, the best day to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best day is today. Maybe the best day to be her dad was 20 years ago. The second best day is to decide today. You're going to be the dad that she should have had from day one. And if you're consistent about it, 
That's all that will matter. I truly appreciate both of you being here for sharing your stories. Now, if people want to find out more about you, Mark, or you, Mary, where is the best place for them to go? You know, Mary has her own, and we're going to get there at some point, marytim.com for her book. But until then, if anybody wants to stay plugged in to myself and to Mary, anything I've ever done as a father, I've posted on a, a little secret website called ceodad.org. So you can find some stuff that Mary and I talked about there. But if you'll go there and just put in your email, I promise you that I'll be sharing about Mary's book when it's ready. So you can go there, put your email in, look at all the resources that are there, and then know that you'll hear about Mary's book before anybody else. CEODad.org. Well, I truly appreciate your time today for sharing your own story, and I wish you both the best. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be